Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. We started out with a sermon series called Speak. And, um, and last week I started out just by building foundation of what, what do I mean by this? That there is power in our words. Now, we started out with the story of Jesus. And how Jesus walked past a fig tree. And, and he saw there was leaves on the fig tree. And he, he was hungry and he walked over and he, he was looking for figs. And there was no fig. And he cursed the tree. And the next day when the disciples and Jesus walked past the tree again, the tree was dead. And Peter freaked out. And he said, Jesus, look. And Jesus turned to him and he said, Peter, where's your faith? Where were you when I raised the little girl from, from the dead? Where were you when I feed the 5,000? Peter, where's your faith? And when Jesus said that, we need to realize that there is power in our words. And it's such an important principle in the kingdom and in the word that, that we know, need to know that our words have power. I started out with the scripture in Proverbs 18.21 that says the following, Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And those who, you, who love it will eat the fruit of it. And, and it's, the verse says, it's a, it, this verse in Proverbs is an incredible verse for anyone who wants to become or bring positive change into their lives, their atmospheres, their businesses, their families, their relationships. If you know that your words have power and what your words accomplish in your life, then you would start using your words differently. But unfortunately, the emphasis of this passage has usually been on the tongue, the tongue's ability to bring death rather than life. I don't know if you've, you've, you've seen that. And it's, it's been a place where we say that, yeah, don't, don't speak death, don't speak death. But I want to change the emphasis today a bit. The power of this verse in Proverbs 18.21 is this, that life is in the power of the tongue. That's the emphasis. That's the power of this verse. And I want us to look from that today. See, today I want to speak about this. Our 40 centimeter connection to life. But I want to start out with the, with the scripture and give us a bit of an illustration of the power of words. And we read the story um, of, of Paul and Silas in Acts 16, verse 16 to 18. Let's read it together. It says, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated or irritated that he turned around and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but... How many of you had people in your life that was irritated like that? Or irritating like that? Or at school. I remember when I was at school, you always were bullied. There was always this one guy who was, who was the, the funny clown in town. You know, he was always mockingly speaking to everybody. And he always picked out the moment to, to be irritating and mock you. I don't know if you had friends like that. I had many friends like that. <laughs> Now, when I was at school and university, the in thing was speaking mockingly to each other. We had this, this fun and games to mock each other as much as we can. Like, make fun of every moment we do. Everything you say, they make a joke of it, you know. And <laughs> it was fun, but it was not always fun. 
You see, some of my friends took it to the whole new level. They just, I know, everything I will do will be, become a joke. Or everything I do would become something funny. Or <laughs> now, as funny as it were, it sometimes became destructive in my life. I don't know if it ever happened to you, but sometimes friends think it's funny, but sometimes after the tenth time, it becomes destructive. You know, I started becoming doubting myself, how I speak, what I do, how I react, what sounds I'm... I mean, it, was, it, it got crazy. Now, if we look at the story of Paul and Silas, it was almost the same. All Paul and Silas did is they walked out, they went to prayer, did what they every day, did every day, and this demon-possessed girl walked out and she started shouting things at them. Now, the funny thing is, she was possessed, but she spoke the truth about them. These are men of God. They are about to tell you to be saved. And they can tell you how to be saved and tell you about salvation. And, and she was just yelling the, the right things at them. But it irritated Paul so much that one day he just turned around and commanded the demon to leave. Now my question was, why didn't Paul just do that the first day? Because Paul knew the repercussions of his words to her and to her owners. Now, if I were the demon-possessed girl, I probably would have thanked him. <laughs> if you were, were demon-possessed and somebody cast a demon out of you, I probably would have thanked them. But not them. These guys were so mad, they threw them in jail. Why? Because Paul just nullified their income. All the money they made, he nullified it. And Paul probably knew the repercussions of that thing, and he just wanted to focus on Sharing the good news. Now, just like Solomon and just like in the book of James, James speaks about the tongue in a different way. And he warns us that the tongue can be destructive as well as life-giving. It can be destructive. No matter how you use it, maybe you speak good or bad, or the, the tongue can be destructive. Now, let's look at the scripture and you'll see where I'm going now. In James 3, verse 7 to 10, it says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Someone, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. See, it's a strong scripture that says the tongue is, is deceitful. It is evil. Out of the same mouth you can speak blessing and out of the same mouth you can speak cursing. You see, my first question after I read this was how can something that was created to bring life get so out of control or be so destructive? That was my first question. See, it has been said that if you talk long enough Eventually you will say something wrong. That's a saying. But to be honest, gossip, cursing, um, angry outbursts, criticism, etc. All is, is the nature of people who are disconnected from God. And they will gravitate towards saying destructive things. We will. I've met people that every second word is a curse word. It's just their nature and how they've grown to a place where they just say things that is destructive without them knowing it. I've met people who, who all they do is they, they moan and they, 
they moan and they moan and they moan. It's such a normality in their lives that in every conversation they walk into, they start complaining about the week. I've been there. Just, they just want that approval from people. As they complain, they see they get more approval. We build a normality into our life, uh, addictive behavior to complain and to speak death in our lives. Or to speak destructive words of our own life and over people around us. Now as Christians, there are cracks in our spiritual foundation if we think we are just to expect negative speech in our families or in our businesses. I've met Christians like that. They just expect, oh, that's just how they are. They just speak, that's how they speak. Just ignore them. But as Christians, we can't expect that in our lives. We need to be free from negative talk. We need to be free from place where we speak destructive things of ourselves and over family and over people around us. But instead, we need to see hope in the Word of God. And why? Because the Word of God brings life to our hearts and to our minds. It brings life to our, to our mind and to our hearts as we speak it. Look at the scripture in Ephesians 4, verse 29. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. It felt like I read it for the first time. Did you know that grace empowers us to do God's will? It empowers us. Grace is, a, is, is something that empowers you to do God's will in your life. But the scripture says we have the privilege to continue to impart grace to others. As I'm speaking to others, I'm imparting grace to them. Why? Because I'm filled with something else. I'm filled with the word of God. I'm filled with with. with, with um, with God's presence. And when I speak, I impart grace. I impart life. But there's one important truth that we can't miss in this. Let, let, me, let me give it to you like this. By a question. Who is the one person that you listen to the most? Quickly think about your own life. Who is the one person you, you listen to the most? It's yourself. Every time you speak, you listen. Every time you speak to someone else, you listen. Every time you, you speak to yourself in the mirror, you listen. So the one person that you listen to the most is yourself. So how much do your words impart grace to yourself? See, because we are the one that hears ourselves the most, we can impart grace to ourselves through our words. And there is no limit towards how much grace we can impart to ourselves. How much we can speak to ourselves. How much we can impart good things about ourselves. How many times have you come to a place where you break yourself down through your words? Think about that. We break ourselves down by our words. While we actually need to encourage ourselves by speaking grace to our lives. Speak life to. If you, I mean, I've met people in my life and, and I had to encourage them so many times. And they said, anybody, I don't like myself. Every time I look in the mirror... Every time I, I think about myself, every time I hear myself speak, I'm, I'm just appalled. I don't like myself. And every time I tell them, so maybe you should change the way you speak about yourself. And then maybe you'll t start to like yourself. You see, as we speak to ourselves, as we talk to ourselves, 
we speak life into our our living days on this earth we will see more life we will see more grace being imparted but now comes the question see James says that the tongue is the toughest thing to tame and it brings destruction everywhere Solomon says that the tongue brings death and life but how do we train our tongue to speak life rather than death and destruction you see that's the big question that we need to know how do I train my mouth or my tongue to speak life rather than death maybe you come to a place in a situation in your life and I realize I have been speaking so much death into my life and so much negative things into my own life that how do I change that how do I change the perspective that I'm talking of or how I talk how do I change that that I speak life into into my daily living See, it all comes down to a 40 centimeter connection. See, it's 40 centimeters from your heart to your mouth. What your heart is full of, your mouth will speak of. Look what the word says, Matthew 12, 34 to 35. Last week we spoke um, on, on verse 30, but let's, a couple of verses on says, For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth, forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. Now what Jesus says here, he says that whatever abounds in your heart, guess what? It will abound in your mouth. Whatever your heart is full of, your mouth will run over with. It's the toothpaste truth. We'll know that that illustration it says whatever is inside the toothpaste tube when you have applies pressure will comes out whatever is inside your heart if you apply pressure or or, or uh, challenges in our lives whatever is inside will come out now the only difference here is whatever is in your heart will come out no matter the pressure the pressure will just show the quality of the content <laughs> So what content do we carry in our hearts on a daily basis? What we bury in our hearts. Do you have word in your heart or do you have seven alarm? Do you have the word of God in your, in your heart or the series you watch? Or, or the negative news you read every morning? Is that, those things aren't wrong. Just understand me clearly. It's not wrong, but if it is the, mo the thing that fills your heart the most, that's the content that will be released or shown. Look what Matthew 15, 18 says in the Passion Translation. It says the following. It is hard to understand that whatever you eat enters the stomach only to pass into the sewer. It's quite straightforward. But what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words can, can pollute, not food. I know the Passion Translation says it a bit differently. But it's exactly what the New King James said. This, it just pictures are a bit different so it's not about what you eat that pollutes us it's what comes out of your heart and out of your mouth that brings destruction and pollution see what we fill our hearts with will determine if we impart grace and speak life daily so to make sure we speak life and not death we do not start with our mouth 
but we look at the contents of our hearts. So how do you change what you speak? You change what your heart believes and what you fill your heart with. That's the 40 centimeter connection to life. So how, will we, how do we fill our hearts with life? How do we overflow our hearts so that our mouth can overflow? We make sure that we teach our hearts the truth. We teach our hearts so that our minds is filled with truth. And that will lead, lead our mouth to speak life. I hope it makes sense. Look what Proverbs 16.23 says. It says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth the word says, even the words of the wise around you, the wise in this world, are taught by the contents of their hearts. So if you see yourself as wise or not, you will teach your heart, or your heart will teach your mouth what to say. And when Joshua took over from Moses, God knew it was a huge task to take over. No? I've now spoken about Joshua quite a lot in a, in, a, in a previous couple of sermons we've done. And, but see, God knew when Joshua took over, by, over from Moses, he knew that this is not a normal job I'm giving him. This is, this is serious. This is two and a half million people. That's not just the nice church going, lovely, hallelujah, praise God kind of people. They are complaining, moaning. They wait for the moment that Moses did something wrong and they complain. They were a tough crowd to handle. And they were two and a half million of them. This was quite a serious job description. So when God gave Joshua this job description, the first thing he said, we read in Joshua 1.8, and we know the scripture so well. Let's read it together. It says, It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Isn't that amazing? This book of the law, God says, I don't care what you do, Joshua. And he said, be strong and courageous, you are amazing, but Joshua, be careful. Don't let this book, this book of life, this book of the law, if you talk about the book of the law, that's what the Old Testament, that was still the book of the law. But God's word still brings life. And God said, I want the book of life to be in your heart. Because I know when you meditate on that thing, there's going to be life. He says, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to what is written in it. For when you, for, sorry, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God told Joshua, keep your nose in the Word. <laughs> Don't be religious about it. Just keep your nose in the Word. Just make sure you read my Word. Because there is life buried in it. See, God knew Joshua needed to meditate on His Word, not to fill his heart with the negative talk he's going to hear from the Israelites every day. Ah, oh, Joshua... Moses, the greatest leader ever, has died. What are you going to do, man? How are you going to lead us? 
Man, we are, we are dead. We are dead. We are so dead. Look at this river. Well, how are we going to get over this river by stop? Then there's giants in the land. <laughs> but God says, keep the word in your mouth. And then what will happen? You will be successful. I, it says, for then you will have your way prosperous. Make, make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous. He didn't say, I will make your way prosperous. He said, you will make your way prosperous. And then, you will have good success. So what does God say? Joshua, make sure you get this word in your heart. That you meditate on it day and night. So that your mouth will run over with life. And then you, by doing that, will make your way prosperous and you will have success. He said, keep the word in your mouth. And to make sure that he keeps, the, keeps it in his mouth, God said, make sure you meditate on it. Because what you meditate on, you will speak about. Did you hear that? What you meditate on, you will speak about. You will speak about. You will speak about what you meditate on. You see, sometimes we read this, but we don't hear it. But what I meditate on, I will speak about. Ask my wife. When I come back from mountain biking with my friends, the only thing we spoke about for like two and a half hours on a bike was mountain biking. So when I come home, I was like, there's a mountain bike and I need to, I need to clean my shoes. And I'm speaking what I meditated on for two and a half hours. It's not wrong, but it just proves that God made us that way. Now we as Christians don't have to walk around with a Bible strapped to our face to make sure we meditate on this thing every day. <laughs> My pastor always said to me, Any, you don't have to walk with the Bible on top of your head or under your arm to show that, that you are a Christian. You have to have that thing in your heart. Because what what, 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 what's in your heart will come out eventually, come out of your mouth. Now to ask a Christian to, to walk around with the Bible like this all day, to make sure you meditate, that's ridiculous. For us, it applies just like, make sure you look into the Word daily. Make sure you look into the Word daily so that the Word can change you from the inside out. See, God's method is to make us extravagant from the inside, not to look extravagant on the outside. It's good to look extravagant on the outside, but God said, first inside, then outside. So it says, make sure you look into it daily so that your heart will be filled with the truth. When the enemy attacks, when the pressure comes on, you know that life will come out. So let's look in Joshua 6. We just read Joshua 1. Let's look in Joshua 6. What happened after God said to Joshua, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. Make sure the word is in your heart. Make sure the word is in your, in your mouth. Now let's look in Joshua 6. They came to a city called Jericho. And let's read it together. It says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. They shut the doors of the city. Everything was, I mean, they 
people didn't come out or in. They were so scared of this two and a half million people coming past. And they've heard the stories of the, the children of Israel coming and taking captive every city, every king, because God gave them his land. And so they shut the doors because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Its king, its mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city, all your men of war, and you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest, priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall, come, it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, that when you, bear the, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and then the wall of the city will fall down flat. Now we all know the story. We've, we've heard the story as children. We've heard the story so many times. We've read the story so many times. But look at what Joshua did. See, Joshua and Israelites came to the strong fortified city of Jericho. And, and if you look at history, it says that Jericho's walls were built for war. It was one of the strongest structures in that time in the whole of Israel, or in that, in that nation of Jericho. It was a strong fortified city. That's why they knew, oh, these people, they just shut the doors. They won't be able to come in. This is the strongest city that there's been. And after God commanded Joshua exactly what to do, then he made sure that all his men and all his priests did exactly just that. He was obedient to what God said to him. Then he called the people and the warriors together. And he told them the following, and I love this. A couple of verses on verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice. Then it says, Nor shall, you, shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. Now, I love this. It's a it is a remarkable story. And what is more remarkable is that if you, if you go back, you will see, you don't have to go back. If you go back, you'll see that, that God didn't tell Joshua to tell the people to be quiet. He just said to him, make sure you walk around the city once a day with the priest in front, the Ark of the Covenant, with horns and trumpets. And walk around the city once, and then on the seventh day, walk around the city seven times, and then as the, the priests blow the trumpets for the final time, a long time, you will shout and the walls will fall down. That's what God said. And that's exactly what Joshua did. But he came to the people and said, I want you to do this, but be quiet. I don't want you to say anything as we're walking around the city. The only thing that will make a sound is the horns and the trumpets of the priests. Now see, Joshua understood the power of words and what you meditate on. Because God laid that foundation the day he took over. You see, Joshua, make sure what you meditate on because it's, it will give you success. You will make yourself prosperous. See, he knew that if the people start walking around that city, they st will start looking at that walls. It's like, man, this is massive. 
Oh my goodness, how weak. Look at, look at the, the warriors on the wall there. Look at this mighty fortress. He knew that they will start speaking death over what God wants to do in this moment. They would start looking at this fortress, looking at the warriors on the wall, looking at, I mean, and he knew that the emotions would start, would get him to start meditate on the negative. Oh, look at this, look at this, look at this, look. How many times in our life have we done that? We've walked, walked past the challenges and the walls that God wants you to go over, and you look at the wall, and you think, Lord, do you want me to get over this thing? How will I ever get over this thing in my life? How will I ever be successful over this thing in my life? I see Joshua showing us a principle that we can't miss. He says, Shh, don't, don't say it. Be quiet. Just walk, just think about it. You walk around this wall for seven days. And you have to be quiet. Try to be quiet for an hour, just by yourself. If you're a people person, <laughs> if you're I personality, you would struggle. Just walk around. Okay, here we go. And I mean, that, that wasn't just walking around the school. This was a massive city. This was bigger than Stalemos. Here we go, we walk around. Here we go. Being quiet. And I think as you walk and you're being quiet and you listen, you start thinking about what God has done in my life. Lord, I remember this. I remember this. I remember that miracle you've done. I remember this. And after day one, they probably, they probably freaked out after day one. How are we going to do this? Day two, it got better. Day three. But Joshua knew that. And that's why he told him to, to be quiet. But the amazing thing was that God commanded, let the priests walk in front and let them blow the trumpets. Let them sound the horn as you were walking around. See, God was intentional to get them to meditate on worship. If you meditate on something, I'm going to get you to meditate on worship. Meditate on the sound of victory. See, we will get in a fight with the enemy in our lives and the most important place where we will win or lose the victory is how we speak before or during this battle. Because of what we meditate on. What do you meditate on on a daily basis? will help you to speak life and fill your heart so that your heart speaks life. I want to close today with the scripture. I started out, I finished with it last week and I started out with this week. And it's in Proverbs 18 verse 21. It says the following, Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, we always look at the first part of the scripture. Death and life is the power of the tongue. Remember that. But the scripture says, those who love it will eat its fruit. See, life is in the power of the tongue is the most powerful, is one of the most powerful spiritual laws that exists. The power of our words. Everyone who discovers this law will be like an investor who found a foolproof investment. If you know this law and you start living according to this law of your words and your life, it's like an investor that found a foolproof investment. 
That when you speak life, you will see life. But when you speak destruction, you will see destruction. You see, people who find that foolproof investment of this law will be, become those people. I, I mean, when I read this, I asked myself, I wonder who's the those he's speaking about. <laughs> I want to be part of that those. But see, if you, if you see the power of this law that exists, that God gave us, you will become one of the those. And the those are the people who love to speak life everywhere they go. The those are the people that understand that the fruit will follow the seed. Do you get that? Every word I speak is a seed I plant. See, so our words that we speak, what, whether words of life or words of death, are seeds we are planting, and we will see the fruit of that seed. I want to encourage you today. What did Joshua do? He knew that he can't afford negative seeds as people walking around that city. He can't afford negative things that's been said on a miracle that God is setting them up to experience. And sometimes in our lives we are facing walls, we are facing enemies, we are facing armies in our lives and all the, the only thing God says is make sure you meditate on my life. So that your heart is full. So that this 40 centimeter connection from your heart to your, to your mouth brings life. See, it's a connection of life. There's a connection between our hearts and our minds. And sometimes we feel and we struggle. And I don't know how to tame my tongue. I don't know how to train my mouth to speak life. But the only thing God's saying today is you, you can have a want for your mouth to speak differently, but if your heart is overflowing with nonsense, that you will never speak life. And I want to encourage us today and that we would trust God to fill our hearts with, with life. When the enemy comes with discouragement in your life, come on, we all know that. We come with discouragement in our lives, we start to declare life of our lives. I know I feel depressed today. I know I feel discouraged today. So what I do is I just say, Lord, I just want to declare today that you are a God of encouragement. I want to declare today that there will be life in every word I say today. There will be life in my body. There will be life in my business. Lord, I declare today that there will be success for, for every employee in my business. There will be success for everyone who set their foot in my, in my, in my household. There will be success in everything I do today. So what I do is, I start declaring life. Where my body and my emotions and my feeling, the only thing they want to do is speak death and destruction. Now it sounds harsh, but my feelings and my emotion wants to complain. It's a, it's a normal human trade. And what we need to do is, we need to be intentional to say, Lord, I'm not going to react according to my emotions or the situation I'm in but as I'm walking around this wall that I know that you're going to conquer as I'm walking around this thing or facing this army or this challenge or this thing in my life I'm going to be quiet and not listen to my emotions but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start declaring life declaring life declaring life I remember when I was in London, I stayed in London for six months. 
Um, I ran away from a lot of things, but I was a professional runner and I got injured, um, missed the Olympic team, and I just thought, I'm going to go to London for six months. I sold my car, bought a plane ticket, like impulsive as a young man can be. <laughs> and uh, I went to London, and I don't know how many of you know that you can't run away from God, eh? because He's going to find you wherever you go. And I remember I lived in a, in a flat with a friend, um, and we were three people in the flat, and, and the guy who rented the flat, his business rented the flat, he was very, I mean, he went out and drinking every night, he was negative, he was, everything he said, like, that's why I stay in London, not in South Africa, because, I mean, it was just horrendous. So I had an incredible, intimate encounter with Jesus, that I'll tell you one day, that I met Jesus face to face, on a camp, on my face in worship, I couldn't get up, and I just, in a vision, I saw Jesus walking to me, and I just, I mean, it was just incredible. I couldn't stop crying for three days. <laughs> when you encounter the love of God, you can't help to change. So when I, when I, when I went home, I realized that I need to trust God for my friend to get saved, because we can't go on like this, because he's speaking. I mean, he's, I, I don't want to be home when he starts speaking about all this calamity and all this nonsense and all these things. And there was so much complaining in his voice and so much destruction in his words. So I took him for like a beer one night and just started speaking to him. Oh my goodness, it was worse. <laughs> he just like went haywire. It's like, yeah, you Christians do this and this and this. And you believe that. I mean, I just like, okay, that's not going to work. So God started encouraging me to start praying for him and start speaking life over him. I thought, okay, that's... I didn't have didn't the revelation yet, but I thought, well, that's probably going to help not believing it. But every morning I stood up, because he went to work early and I went to work at nine, and, and I just took an hour and a half and I just started praying and speaking life over everything. I just started speaking life over his bed and over his... He's this, and I was just, Lord, I pray that you will, will save him and you will save his heart. And I just started praying and speaking life and speaking life. And, and after about three months, I was there for six months. That happened halfway through. And about two weeks before I had to go home, he came and sat with me and said, Listen, um, is there church tomorrow? I said, Yes. So how you'd like to come with? I almost fell off my chair. I was like, What? He said, yeah, yeah, sure, because yeah. we want to look spiritual in that moment. It's like, oh, amen. Come. And he came to church. And actually, Pastor Bill Bennett, who is now leading Journey of Grace, he, he preached in London. And he got radically saved. Radically saved. And that Monday morning, I woke up. I went to the bookshop, bought him a Bible with my last money that I had before I leave, because I was about to leave in a week. And I bought him a Bible because I wanted to leave something for him to meditate on. Bought him a Bible and the morning before I left, um, I gave him the Bible and man, he was tears in his eyes. And he said to me, Henny, I just want to thank you for, for being, just being you. And I thought, but I didn't do anything. And God stopped me in that moment and said, no, you did you spoke life. You spoke life. You started 
you stopped agreeing with the negative and you started agreeing with the positive over him and you started speaking life and and um i bought myself a spiritual book to read back home and and um as i got in a plane it was there i hugged him and i really i was so encouraged you know and I, on the plane i opened my bio opened the book that i read and it was exactly the amount of pounds i needed to give back to my dad that he put in my book and um because he was earning a lot of money <laughs> in that day and he just god changed his heart to such a degree that he started giving he started changing there was life and not death so i want to encourage you today that that the lord will remind you on what you meditate on this week what do we meditate on this week so that what we meditate on will fill our hearts and run run through our mouths will overflow in our mouths and if we see that we struggle with negative negativity or or a complaining then trust god to give you some material or things or what to read in the bible to help you to meditate on so that you start speaking life amen i pray that there will be seeds that you've been sowing in your life that you will start seeing the fruit of good things over people's lives praying over your family praying over your kids speaking life over your of your husband or your wife or or of your business or over your the people that work for you and start trusting god to see that fruit let's stand together i want to want to pray for you so let me play it. father i thank you this morning thank you that that you're not a god who condemns us you're not a god who bring condemnation you bring freedom and father i thank you that you putting your finger on something this morning thank you that you give us the boldness and the courage to come and change and shift things in our hearts shift things in our minds so that we start to speak life speak life in every area of our lives and as i was preparing I really feel that God speaking to me about this is that there's so many of us as as we talking about this subject that God is putting his light and his finger on the destruction we've already been speaking in our lives or the words that I know that I've been speaking or the complaining I've done or see God doesn't come with a condemnation thing on you and said yeah see what you've done there's problems for you no God just comes and says look at my son he's already paid And I want you to put your hand on your heart this morning. If you know that there's been situations in your life that you've been speaking death, destruction, things over people. And I want us to just take a minute. You can whisper, just whisper it and just say, Lord, I just want to cancel every word. I want to cancel every word of destruction over my life, over my family's life, over my business, over my friends, over my children. Lord, I want to cancel every word of complaining I've done in my life. And today I want to make a change. To stop Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.